We've been in a conversation called Days, and we've been looking at the days of our week, and we've been looking at the history and the meaning, and what I've realized and what we're coming to realize is that uh, we give like a day a year to like presidents and Martin Luther King, and, and yet what we realize is that the, uh, the Romans and the Greeks, they designated a specific day to their gods. And so every day is designated and named after various gods, uh, dedicated for various reasons. So we look at the Greek and the Roman and the Nordic gods to see what rhythm they saw in the world. But we're looking to the scriptures to see how every single day has the potential to help shape and to form and to deepen our faith in God. And so we don't waste a day. No day do we wake up and we go, there's no purpose in this day. No day do we wake up and go, there's nothing that should be happening today. We know Sunday's a day of rest uh, we know that Monday is the day that we start new. We know that Tuesday is the day we face the battle. We know that Wednesday is the day that we create good into the world. But this morning we're going to talk about Thursday. Thursday is a fascinating day of the week. And I love the idea that Thursday is going to be changed and shaped for you forever with your permission. Can I shape and change and mess with your Thursday for the rest of your life? I don't ever want you to wake up on a Thursday and see Thursday the same way again. Thursday uh, is, is connected to actually three different mythological gods. We realize Thursday is uh, dedicated to Zeus, Jupiter, and Thor. Uh, so in, at one point in time in history, it was Thor's day. So every time I hear Thursday, I say Thor's day in my head because it was dedicated to uh, these three gods, depending on which part of history and which part of the world you look at. And it's fascinating to me that these three gods all have one thing in common— all three gods were gods of protection. That they were all looked at as gods of protection. They're mythological, immortal gods who were seen as their protectors. In fact, uh, Thor's hammer would have been carved into buildings and homes as a sign that they were being protected by Thor. Uh, in the 9th and 10th century, they had actually, archaeologists have found uh, pennants or necklaces of Thor's hammer that actually some of them had crosses etched into them as well. Because somebody was really covering their base. They're like, if Thor doesn't get me, God's got me. Somebody's protecting me. And so we realized they were looking at these gods for protection. Even more fascinating, uh, Jupiter's gravity, if uh, you look at uh, history, in 94 and 2004, I think, Jupiter's gravity actually pulled uh, some space junk out of our way. Otherwise, it would have had a cataclysmic event happen in, in our world. But Jupiter's uh, it's, it's orbit it's like pulled it in. And so what we realize is that we can look and go, okay, are we protected by Zeus? Are we protected by Thor? Are we protected by Jupiter? Uh, but the reality for all of us, regardless of what time and point in history that you've lived, the reality for all of us is that we need protection. We are people who are painfully aware of our mortality. We're painfully aware that we can only do so much and protect so long. We're painfully aware, and maybe if you're not, then today's going to be lousy for you, uh, but we're all going to die like, we're not going to live on this earth forever. Like, we are mortal people. And mankind, since the beginning of time, has this innate awareness of our inability. And we are looking and have always been looking for divine protection. And we just want to know, is somebody looking out for us? And we've created mythological characters to make us feel like someone's watching out for us. Make us feel like somebody's out there protecting us. But even though you and I probably don't believe in mythological characters anymore, we've created our own 
lowercase gods, lowercase g gods, to make us feel comfortable, to make us feel protected. And so my question is, who's your Thursday? Who's your protector? Who is watching out for you? This overarching question for all humanity is, who are we trusting in? Where are we placing our faith? And if I'm honest, in a room like this, whether you're here or watching online on YouTube, like you can watch anything on YouTube, but you're watching this. So my, 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 my thought is you're probably going to say that your protector in the, is God. I don't think anyone in this space would say, no, I don't trust in God this morning. And if you do, that's a conversation we love to have with you. But the reality is we don't always live like we trust God. Or we live like the guy with the Thor's hammer and the cross on it too. It's like, okay, I'm trusting in God, but I'm also going to make sure that I've got a 401k. I'm going to trust God, but I'm also going to make sure I have a reliable vehicle. I'm going to have this or that. and I'm going to trust in God, but also have all these other things as well. And not that there's anything wrong with protecting and, and taking care and saving and on and on. Our faith largely doesn't lie solely in God. And the reality is on Thursdays, I want us to carve out time and space to look deep into our hearts to go, who is our protector? Who's watching out for, for us? Who's watching out for our families? Who's watching out for the people that we love the most? And in order for us to find protection, the first thing we must do is we have to deepen our faith. Deepen our faith is like a statement that you would imagine you would hear in a church. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into what that actually looks like to deepen our faith. Because what I truly believe about everyone, regardless of your age, uh, socioeconomic status, regardless of how long you've been uh, in church or trusted God to be your Lord and Savior, what I believe wholeheartedly about every single one of us is that we all have room and space in our hearts for us to deepen our faith None of us live, as the scriptures say, by faith alone, that we have room to deepen our faith in our hearts. And so what I want us to do is I want us to understand what it looks like to truly deepen our faith. This morning I'm going to read from Psalm 91. And as I read this passage, it's a a lengthy passage, and I'm apologizing up front, not for the scripture, but for the fact that I'm going to read to you for an extended length of time. No one likes to be read to. Uh, but I'm going to read this passage in its entirety because I feel like it fits together so beautifully and it speaks directly to so many of the situations that we're experiencing. But as I read this passage, what I want you to do this morning, online or here in the room, I want you to bring to the forefront of your mind something that you fear the most. I know, positive vibes, right? I want you to bring to something that you're afraid of. Something that maybe you're worried might happen. Something, maybe it's your worst fear, your worst nightmare. I want you to bring it to the forefront of your mind as we read this passage. What I want to do is I want the scriptures to begin to wash over whatever that fear is. And in verse 1 it says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will deliver you from the hunter's net. From the destructive plague. He will cover you from his, with his feathers. Uh, you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night. The arrows that fly by the day. The plague that stalks in the darkness. Or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall to your side. And ten thousand fall to your right side. The pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. 
Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent because he is lovingly devoted to me. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and uh, and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. The God of the scriptures is saying to you and to me, he's protecting you. And I love that this passage starts out by saying, he who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. In this room, there are lots of shadows and they drive me crazy because a well-lit room should not have shadows. But I see mine, two, two shadows because there's two lights crossing. And what I realize about my shadow is that it's behind me. My shadow's behind me. It's not in front of me. It's behind me. And what I've found to be true about my relationship with God is every time I get in front of God, I'm no longer dwelling in his shadow of protection. And what this passage is reminding me of is if I'll dwell in his shadow, that means he's going further than me. He's going ahead of me, and he's experiencing what I'm going to experience, and he's preparing the way for me to get there, and God is the God of the future who's moving in front of us, but we've got to stay in the shadows, and we'll be protected. And this sounds awesome. This sounds really comforting, and it sounds exciting. However, has anybody experienced a hardship, or loss, or pain, or affliction this week? Anybody? How about today? See, the reality for all of us is that We are talking about a God who is protecting us and yet we live in a broken, fallen world where we still experience pain and so we have to figure out how we reconcile this God who says he's our protector while also going through hardship and having felt unprotected. That if you've ever prayed and asked for God to protect you and he didn't, you're like, where'd you go, God? I just asked for protection and I don't feel protected. I've been at the bedside of People who were passing away and asked for healing and they weren't healed. I've been sick myself, only able to muster the words, God help, only to be left to be sick. And in my 40 some years, I've been let down and I've been wounded and I've been sad and I've been disappointed and I've wondered many, many times, does God even exist? I've wondered many, many times, is believing in God's protection any different than believing in Thor's hammer? And would I be better if I just got a hammer all by myself? And we can read the psalm and we can feel good for a moment, but we are often and quickly reminded of all the times we didn't feel protected and we felt abandoned and bad things still happened. And what happens for a lot of us is that we get jaded and we get cynical and so many people give up on God. And maybe that's you. And maybe you're trying God again, or maybe you're watching online and you think, ah, we'll give it another shot. Whatever the reason is, I understand your pain. And the challenge that we live in is this, we live with this dichotomy of a God who's protecting us, but bad things are still happening all around us. And you might be here and you might be hurting and wondering if God is good And in a culture where mass tragedy is the norm and and people are, are violent against one another, we have to ask, where is God? And in Psalm 34, 19, the psalmist says, many adversities come to the one who is righteous. 
but the Lord delivers him from them all. I believe the problem is that we have confused what matters most. God's emphasis, his efforts, his focus is on protecting you. There's no question about that. But God's emphasis and effort and focus is not on the you that you think is you. But he's actually focused on protecting you, the inside, the immortal part of you, your soul. That God's primary focus is to protect your soul. And the challenge is that we live in, in, in a fallen world. And we've by and large fallen in love with the mortal part of ourselves, right? We love the way we look. We, we, I put on sunscreen every day because I don't want to end up with, you know, face cancers. And, and I take care of myself. I try to eat well. And, and I, I, I do all of these things to protect the mortal part of me. And, and nothing's wrong with that. But I've also fallen in love with myself. Our physical being, the way that we look, the things we own, the people that we know. And God cares about those things. He does. But he cares more about the thing that no one sees. And many of us care about our home while God cares that he has a home in us. And it's not necessarily the body, but the soul that God is caring for and protecting. And when my health goes bad, we can say, uh, I can trust in God. It's not the health of your body that's the priority. It's the health of your soul that your body is wasting away. It's going away. It's your soul, though, that lives forever. And a lot of us are so focused on what's happening here and now in the physical that we lose sight of what's happening in the spiritual. We lose sight of the reality that God is taking care of what lasts forever. And we ask God to give us health and, and wealth and fame and, and fortune. And, and in context, those things are not bad, but God is more concerned about what lasts for eternity. And a lot of us are so caught up in these simple battles that are here in front of us immediately. And God's saying, no, I'm looking at the big picture. I'm not getting lost in the forest because of the trees. I'm looking at eternity and your soul matters more than anything else. And we lose our home and we lose our loved ones and we lose our job and our heart gets broken and we wonder why God would let that happen. But these things are more often the byproduct of, of poor choices and fallen world and a brokenness and God doesn't protect you often from the outside in but more often than not what God does is he protects you from the inside out. Meaning he doesn't shelter us from all of the harm like we would like. I don't want to experience anything bad. In fact, I believe the lie that, that, that if you follow Christ, nothing bad will ever happen to you. And then what happens is something bad happens and you go, well, wait a second. But it's a lie. It's less that God protects you from the outside in and more often that God protects you from the inside out. Meaning that he protects your soul, that your soul is stronger than you realize. That whatever your life experiences, your soul can weather it. And at the end of the day, when everything does not go your way and you've lost everything like Job in Scripture, you can still say God is good because he's protecting us. And what God ensures is that there's no wound, there's no tragedy, that there's no loss that can come on you that your soul cannot withstand if you make God your dwelling place. If you will be in the shadow of the Almighty. And if you're like me, you've asked, why do bad things happen to God's people? I think God often asks, why are God's people so worried about bad things happening? 
We always, why are, why are bad things happening to God's people? It's not supposed to be this way. God's saying, why don't you trust me enough to know that whatever happens in your life, I'm going to take care of you through it. Why are we as God's people living as if God hasn't already uh, conquered the world? And while we're wondering if something bad will happen, God's wondering why we don't have more faith to trust that whatever happens, regardless of how bad it is, God will turn and use it. But we buy this lie. We buy this lie that we're not supposed to experience pain, we're not supposed to experience suffering, and, and we don't want to, but the reality is none of us want to admit that there are times when God simply seems to disappoint us because our expectations are different than God's desires. And I, I don't know where you came up with this idea, and, and it's perpetuated in many churches that we're not supposed to experience pain, we're not supposed to experience suffering, but I know that this idea did not come from Scripture Scripture paints a, a really dark picture of what it looks like to follow Christ. I mean, we have Abraham who is circumcised as an adult. I've never had a day that bad. He was circumcised as an adult. We realize David spent uh, much of his life hiding from the guy he was supposed to secede in a cave. And, and he was fearing for his own life. We realize Peter and, and Paul and Jesus were all killed, murdered. And somehow in the modern church, we perpetuated this idea that when you align your life with Christ, everything just works out. And you can be wealthy and powerful and, and not have any problems. But we have developed this idea that following Christ means that we don't experience pain. And the scriptures paint a different picture in John 16, It says, I've told you these things, Jesus speaking, that in me you will have peace. You will have suffering in this world. But be courageous. For I've conquered the world. Jesus Christ is saying to you and me, you will experience suffering in this world. But be courageous. Be courageous, knowing that God has already conquered the world. So the question is not why do bad things happen. The question is, what will you do when bad things happen? Where will you run to? Who will you cry out to? Where is your faith when bad things happen? What do you do? How do you respond? Because bad things will happen, but God says he's already conquered the world. So we can run to him and we can find peace. But in Christ there will be no tragedy or crisis that will overtake you. Because in him your soul will be strengthened. He says, I will protect your soul. Everything else is house money. We're playing with what God has created. This isn't us. This isn't ours. This is house money. It's all going to go away. But our soul is what lasts forever. And God is waiting for us to give him permission to care for us. And in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, We are pressured in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. What Paul is describing is that life is getting harder, but his soul is getting stronger. Isn't it interesting how this happens? That the harder life gets, the stronger our souls can become. A life continues to present challenges, and Paul knows that his soul is having to strengthen to meet those challenges. It's no different than going into a gym and picking up a weight that's just slightly heavier than what you can lift. 
And I love being able to go in and do that. And then the next time it's a little easier. And the next time it's a little easier. And then you step up and you get a heavier weight. And that's how you build muscle, I'm told. The idea, though, is that our souls work much the same way. And in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. What's fascinating is that Paul is pinning these words from prison. He's not writing these words from like an ivory tower or a beach with a drink in his hand. He's writing this from prison. And he's suffered the vast majority of his life, but he hasn't given up. And he hasn't quit. And he hasn't turned his back on God. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, he continues, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction... Once again, this is Paul, who's been through all kinds of chaos, is calling it momentary light affliction. It's produced for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is Eternal. Paul's describing an outer self versus an inner self. There's what's going on out here, and there's what's going on in here. And a lot of us are so focused on what's going on out here, we don't realize that there's a war being waged inside of us, and the weakening of the physical body in contrast to the strengthening of the spirit. One must go away as another increases. But here's the thing. It's unfair to say that God doesn't care about the physical. It's unfair to say that God doesn't care about your finances or your family or your marriage or your job. It's unfair to say that God doesn't care about those things because he does. In fact, God has a plan to take care of your physical being and your relationships and all of it. That he doesn't just care for the soul. But in order to find protection, we have to seek wisdom. That's the second thing I want you to note. Is that in order to find protection, we have to seek wisdom. See, a lot of us, we seek God's protection because we don't want to seek God's wisdom. A lot of us want God to take care of all of our problems so that we can keep making really unwise choices. And most of us, we pray to be protected from a a, a situation that is directly related to our lack of wisdom. So I might have a really lousy financial problem because I want to go out and spend money on a lot of stuff, right? And then I want God to protect me from financial ruin. I want to not show up to work on time and not be a very good employee, but I want God to protect my job. And a lot of times we're asking God to protect us from things that could be benefit, that could be prevented if we would seek his wisdom. That part of the benefit of following Christ is that he gives us his wisdom. Not only does he give us wisdom, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. This is way, uh, God's way of protecting our lives in real time, step by step. And in Proverbs 4.10, it says, Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on a straight path. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't proceed in the way of the evil one. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it. That more often than not, i found that God protects who you are and wisdom protects what you have. 
That God ends up protecting who you are, but it's wisdom that protects what you have, and God's focus is on your soul, and he gives us wisdom to protect everything else. And that's what I think can take place on Thursday. That's why I think we're given Thursdays. I think we get to the latter part of our week and we start reaching our weekend and we can pause and we can stop and we go, how did I live my week? Did I live in full trust in God? Did I live giving over space to God so that he can increase the capacity for me to trust in him? Did I trust God and the reality that he's watching over my soul and is giving me wisdom to make wise choices? But see, here's this thing, there's a flip side. That you can't just deepen your faith. You can't just ask for deeper faith. It's a great opportunity to do that. But we have to make space for faith to exist in our life. A lot of us want faith to increase, but we also want to hold on to all this other stuff. And at some point, what we have to do is we have to release the disappointment. We have to release the hurts. We have to release the burden, the fears. We have to release these things, and it might take time. But we have to consciously make a decision to go, okay, I've been cynical and I've been jaded and I've been hurt, but I've got to trust again. I've got to create space in my life for faith to reside. A lot of us are asking God to come bring us faith or give us faith so we can mesh it with all this other stuff and it doesn't work like that. God will still use that disappointment and bring good, but God's primary intention is that we release those things over to him and say, God, I'm giving you all of my hurts and disappointment, and I'm inviting you to come now increase my faith. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, the reality. And, and we read this scripture a lot when bad things happen because it makes us feel better. And by and large, we use scripture as, as a Xanax instead of vitamins. We use it as something quick to take care of our immediate anxiety instead of using it as vitamins that we, we feed on and allow it to, to bring health and healing. But we use this passage a lot of times to go, well, yeah, this is awful, but God's going to use it to our advantage. But do we really believe that? Can we really stand firm on the fact that as painful as our situations are, we know that God is somehow going to use what you're going through to produce endurance and faithfulness. That it is difficult, if not virtually impossible, to be standing in the face of adversity and to go, ah, it's gonna work out. It's good for other people to say that to us. But it's very hard for us to look at that and actually follow what this scripture is saying. Now this doesn't mean that God initiates or causes these problems in our lives, but God takes what's already broken and fallen and he uses it to, get to, to bring us closer to him, to increase our faith. But if you've ever been disappointed in God, just know that God's not disappointed in you. I think it's so important for us to understand if you've ever been angry at God, or if you've ever been disappointed, or you've been upset, just know that God's not angry or disappointed or upset with you. He continues to invite you to come back to him, to invite you to trust in him, to invite you to increase your faith. And in your darkest moments, you need to know that God is still good. But when we don't release our disappointment, it leads to bitterness. And bitterness eats away at us. And when we become bitter, even when God does meet our needs, we don't even recognize or celebrate it. And so you might be disappointed in God, but he's not disappointed in you. And he wants to restore and renew that relationship with him. But whatever lie you've been believing, know that God is not disappointed. He loves you despite everything that's taken place. 
And he'll use your pain and he'll use your past and he'll create something beautiful and new if you'll allow him to because he's always working on our behalf. No matter the outcome, he is still good. And so that's what I want to do on Thursdays. I want us to pause in Thursday. Maybe it's your morning, maybe it's your afternoon, maybe it's your evening. And I want us to pause for just a moment on Thursdays and go, God's still good. I've lost this and this is hurting and I've done this and this is this. But God is still good. And I know some of you are going through some stuff right now. I know you're going through some stuff and it seems like God has abandoned you and it seems like God has forgotten you, but he didn't and he hasn't. And it seems like God's left you alone, but he didn't. It seems like you're out here all on your own, but you're not. It seems like God's not working, but he is. And he'll take the very thing that the devil wants to use to destroy the foundation of your life and he'll bring that into a place that he's promised you. So hold fast and don't quit and don't give up and keep trusting because you will find that God will come through in his time. So don't lose heart. Don't quit, don't give up. Because he is still good. So we trust. We have faith to believe. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God for those who are called according to his purpose. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Creator God, you form us on the wheel of life. And that's a really tough wheel because life is hard and bad things happen and people we love pass and we don't get money when we need it and things transpire that we don't understand but Father you are forming us on the wheel of life just as a potter molds the clay so our prayer this morning is that you would shape us into holy vessels bearing the mark of your wise crafting that we may remain strong and useful through years of faithful and obedient service. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you would go ahead and stand across the room.